Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. If you have questions, suggestions, and feedback you would like to share with us, please use our email service at infomillervillechurch.org. The following podcast is available on SoundCloud Millerville Church and subscribe to us on iTunes under podcasts. Look for Religion and Spirituality and Millerville Community Church. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. There is a place for you in the kingdom of God, and it's right here in one of these seats, see if you can find it. (laughs) You should be thankful to be healthy enough to be here in church today, amen? Amen. To be alive, functioning, to find us. There's uh, more and more I hear people saying how precious this uh, place is and this fellowship and what we have here, what God has created, and it is so very special to us. We hold this ground and this building and these people that you see about you as sacred, set aside for God, and God is in this place. Do you have other sacred things in your home, sacred places in your home, like your Bible, like your coffee machine, like your <laughs> whatever it might be, <laughs> your TV set when you want to watch the game, uh, whatever it might be? There are special things that we uh, hold sacred. There are things that we have keepsakes. You ever hear of that? And that we hold on to that are sacred things because they remind us of events in our life and people that are important to it. And uh, what we're discovering is probably that there is nothing more sacred in your life than family. Uh, family is precious. And when we're together as uh, believers in God, we are a family together. We are a family of God. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. I've got big brothers here. I've got little brothers here. I've got older brothers and younger brothers. And sisters in the Lord as well. And we are in fellowship with one another. It is good to be in this kind of family. We make all kinds of sacrifices and for the things that we hold sacred Uh, but especially for family. But when it's family, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It's just what you do for each other, right? It's how you stand together. I always uh, told my kids, and they got the impression that the church, which is much larger than just this fellowship, you know, the church is all over the world, right? My children are catching on that it's kind of like a mafia. We're all (laughs) tied in together, and we're all pulling together, and you can always count on God's people wherever they are. While family remains elusive for many, and it's been a blessing and a spiritual gift for us. We have learned in this sermon series a few great truths, and if you can know them, you can recite them with me. We're learning how to make families work. So here they are. Can you say them with me? God's house, God's rules. God's house, God rules. God's house, God's choice. And that last one was from last Sunday. They are the great life-giving truths we have learned from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob about the family of faith that we are growing in. And then as we pursue this experience of God's family, 
that pursuit uh, is on every front as we fight spiritual battles for our families. We always seem to be struggling, though. We always seem to be trying to keep it together and wonder if it'll ever get better. Even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you read their stories, there's plenty of struggle, there's plenty of controversy and dysfunctionalism, but they are moving forward because they follow these principles in their life. Everything that God did through the family of God in the Old Testament was to bring about the fulfillment of family when Jesus Christ arrived as a baby. In our pursuit of a family faith, we, be, we could be missing a key element that will take us from doing better than most, discovering the amazing, powerful presence of God in our homes. And that key which Jesus Christ brought us is through his teachings, through his death and his resurrection, and it's this last phrase, let's put it up, God's house, God's voice. We need God's voice in our homes and to hear that voice. I was uh, taught that not quite a few years ago by my daughter, Megan, the youngest in our family. She's not here, so I don't owe her any money for this illustration, but she won't hear it, will she? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, we were, uh, she was having bath time, a young little girl, and she was in the bathtub, you know, kids in bathtubs, they play away. And we were going past the door, and we overheard her loudly express, God, it wasn't very nice that you forgot me. She was in the bath having a conversation with God. So that's going on in our homes, that children are talking with God and hearing from God, and, and it's a sometimes humorous and wonderful conversation. But if we want to know the amazing presence of God, that conversation needs to happen. In the Bible, there is a moment when the parents of Jesus Christ, Marys and Joseph, they go to worship like you have today to present their child before God. And this is one of the most sacred moments in our lives, both for parents and for children, when we bring them before God. So let's listen and we'll drop into the story. We're looking at Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 22. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two pigeons. This little story that we usually post-Christmas talk about is a critical moment in the entire history of the world. But you wouldn't have known it if you were there. You would have missed it. <laughs> Joseph and Mary arrive along with the rest of the throng that are regularly tromping in and out of the temple courts. They're not wealthy. They're poor. And we know that because the offering they bring is a poor person's offering. 
It's a pair of doves and young pigeons. It would have cost them a, a few pennies in the court to purchase that. You don't run around catching these things. You just buy them at the outer court, and then you bring them in. And then Mary would present and drop the payment off in the offering chest placed there for the court of women, the outer court of the temple. The rabbis and the priests were focused on the inner court, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was supposed to reside. And the priests, and they were performing the sacrifices and the rituals and learning about Almighty God. And uh, the women are in the outer court, and they're trying to listen in with all the other kids. Being the firstborn, the child belongs to God. Did you know that? First fruits of all things belong to God, including the firstborn. And uh, they are to bring that child to God, and uh, it's kind of like uh, recognition that that belong, child belongs to God. So when they bring Jesus to the temple, he said, that, Lord, this is your child. This child belongs to you. And by making offering, they're saying, we recognize that we're stewards of what belongs to you. This child is not our child. This is your child, and it belongs to you. And so we dedicate Jesus to you, and we accept the responsibility. We do the same thing here when we do a child dedication. So we say this child belongs to God. We give that child back to God, and we make a promise and vow to God to raise up that child in the things of God so that they'll learn about the gospel early in their life and seek God all their days and to pray and to intercede for them. And I love that when the church does that. I was raised in church. Have any of you raised in church? You grew up in church? Now, if you have a good church, you've got a lot of uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandpas who are all watching you, right? And you learn from them. I, I was uh, thrilled to have a Sunday school teacher, but her name was Mrs. Yamabi. And when I was a preschooler, my mom and dad dropped me off at Mrs. Yamabi's class, and I learned from God and that God loved me. That's what she taught me. I was thrilled years later when I brought my firstborn to Mrs. Yamabi to teach my kid the same lesson, and my second and my third. She taught, and she loved it. That was the only class she ever taught, the preschoolers. There was the first experience of Sunday school was Mrs. Yamabi, and there were generations that passed through and what came out of them were preachers, ministers, missionaries, presidents of Bible colleges. It all began with Mrs. Yamabi. We all had the same foundation. What a precious gift she was. When you belong to a family of God, you inherit all of that. You get all these moms and dads, aunts and uncles, they're all watching you, caring for you, praying for you, for you are special to them. Mary and Joseph are going to the temple. They're offering, they're bringing that child before God, Jesus Christ, that God has given them and say, the Lord, he belongs to you. You've named him, you've called him, and we give him back to you, and we recognize that in our life. If we want to move as a family of God into more than just getting by, but into the amazing purpose for which he has created us, then we must concentrate not only on the fruits, but giving him just the first of what we've got, but giving him all that we've got. I've dedicated every one of my children, not just my firstborn. Even our most precious possessions, especially our children, are belong to God, and they must be given back to him and recognize as an amazing miracles that they are. Have you ever, my dear family, have you ever felt embarrassed by a child? Well, the, the answer is yes. Okay. 
Have you ever been annoyed by children? Have you ever come to worship like Mary and Joseph did and worried about what other people would think of your child and been distracted by your child and the noise that your child would be making? Uh, a child might make too much noise so you can't hear what I'm saying. And this is one of the reasons, uh, believe it or not, the temple court is built the way it is. Because the Jewish people understood this is an ancient problem. It goes all the way back then. So the men decided what we'll do is we'll have our separate service near the Holy of Holies. The women have to be in the outer court with the kids. So they're not even in the same room with us. So if there's some sort of distraction, they're out there. They're not in here with us where we're doing all the holy stuff. <laughs> Learning about God. It's a great plan. I, I'm going to recommend it to the design and function team. And we build an outer court and an inner court. <laughs> build it according to the holy temple of God. Do it just that way. But what if God were to enter our place of worship, not for the holy of holies, but through the back door? What if he were found in the women's court with the kids? What if the Son of God were there? Being held in the arms of Mary. And we had our backs to him while we looked to the Holy of Holies and wondered, will God speak? And he's crying in Mary's arms in the outer court. What if we're missing it? What if it's that child that God wants to speak to us through? Children, according to the Bible, and I love this, is God's favorite way of making a powerful change in the world. Through family and the passing of faith in Jesus Christ to our children, God intends to bless every family on the face of the earth. That's his plan. You ever wonder what God's up to? Everyone say, oh, no one can know what God is up to. I'm telling you, this is it. This is what he's up to. He's planning to do it through families, the family of God and your families, to transform them by as you follow his principles, his rules, his voice. And he wants to do it through children. There is the utmost importance to God. And children are one of God's favorite ways of answering a prayer. Did you know that? Do you have any prayers? Any ones you lift up to God? If you read the scriptures, you often find that he does it through children. Israel was in Egypt, and they were complaining about poor governments and slavery and taxation and all this stuff you complain about. And what does God do? He sends Moses, but not as a full-grown male. He sends him as a baby. God is always sending us babies as an answer to our prayer. But if we're annoyed by them, if we don't recognize how the important part of what God does in the world, we often miss that God came in through the back door as in the nursery. There, was, there is a way that children can become the means through which God speaks to us so that we can hear the voice of God. And this usually requires the intervention of a senior citizen. Verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him. So Simeon's well-read, understands, got the things of God on his heart. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So he's got three to choose from. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people of Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what he said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and saying, Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against you so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. For God's voice to be heard in the family. It's often the older and the wiser who pray over the younger. The older and wiser earnestly pray for our nation and God's reveal his mights and his power in our land. Like Simeon, they watch children coming in and out of the worship of the Lord. And they look for the children to be the answer to their prayers. Because this is how God's favorite way of bringing about the next great awakening. It'll be in a kid in our Sunday school. When God reveals the answer to the prayer, the life of a child, they do what Simeon did. When you see it in a child, you grab that child, you hug that child, and you speak what God is going to do and what God has done through this child. Children are just too young to know. Parents are too worried and tired to understand. But us older ones are the ones to give voice to God's promise. God's house, God's voice. Have you ever been praying for this world? Do you see any trouble in this world that you pray about? Do you? Have you lived through any wars? Have you remember any wars? Have you watched the moral decline of our nation? Are you worried about it? Have your own children and grandchildren lost their way and forgotten their faith? Then you know what Simeon felt. That's where he was at. And he agonized it over every day as he prayed to God. And as he watched, he watched the children. And are you watching for the promise of God and the answer to your prayers? Do you believe that God will do something great in our land? Because you've been watching and praying. You might have been silent for a lot of years about as you watch, maybe even as Simeon was. And you're watching, you wonder if God will answer prayer and you don't want to give away disappointment. You might hide away your fears and anxiety as you watch in prayer. And Simeon saw the answer to his prayers as he watched that child and God said, this is it. This is the one I'm going to work through. This is the Messiah. He knew his prayers were answered. This is still true today. It's happening right now in this place. There are children here in our midst, some who may have even been a distraction to you in church, who are the answer to the prayers you're praying. On Friday, I held a funeral service in Calgary for a dear elderly woman. 
had passed away. The family had gathered and a few friends to pay their last respects and to say goodbye. The children were there too, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. And despite their best efforts of the family, there was one little boy who was not going to be controlled. He had the worst time standing still. He was curious about absolutely everything. He was everywhere all at once. Have you ever met a child like that? You thought he was over there, now he's over here, and now he's over there. And he's moving everywhere. I uh, got up to lead one of the hymns. That little boy got up and stood right beside me. I stood there and sung away, and I couldn't really watch him, but my wife tells me he stood there and put one hand behind his back, a solemn expression on his face, and his face towards heaven while we sang that hymn. And at the end, he started mouthing some of the words, although he didn't know the words himself. And as I stood there, I had a ministering child with me. Now, that too is a gift to God. It's not a distraction. Matter of fact, that might have been the whole point of everything, is that child. His mother might have been embarrassed and anxious, but I felt like Simeon standing before God with the promise of God beside me in ministry. Have your eyes seen the answer to your prayers in children we have today? Can you tell the parents what God has planned for those precious children who have been placed in our hands as a promise from God. Luke goes on in chapter 2, verse 36, of another prophet, another senior citizen. This was also, uh, verse 36, there was also a prophet named Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Wouldn't you like that to be your only description of you in the Bible? <laughs> She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. They even tell you their age. She never left the temple, but she worshipped there night and day, fasting and praying, very devout. Coming up to them at that very moment, she came out to Mary and Joseph, and she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Anna picks up how we should watch and promise for the God in the children around us. We should worship, we should fast, we should pray. And with an exception that expectation that God is going to answer our prayers. And some of us are very old like Hannah, and we may have been worshiping and fasting and praying for many years like Anna. And just like her, we are watching for the God to answer our prayers. But one of these days, we may see a child, and in that child, give thanks to God. And that hope that we have that God will work through that child is redeemed deeming this sinful world might be revealed to us. I wonder, can you be a Simeon? Can you be an Anna? Can you see that in others? If you are looking and if you are listening, you could speak to everyone that is looking for the move of God that that prayer is being answered right now 
and is in our Sunday school. You may be the one that helps us from neglecting a child and so neglecting a promise that God has made us. It is God's house, it's God's voice, and we need to let that voice heard in our midst. This is a key difference between just getting by and doing okay and doing better than most, is realizing the amazing power of God in our midst by recognizing the fulfillment of our prayers and his promises to us through the family of God. Both giving voice to it as ones who see it and encouraging those who are that promise. If you are a parent of a child here today, I want to encourage you to remain faithful to shepherd the gift of God's promise in your children. They are important, but I want you to know, if you're a parent today, we are watching you. All the time, people are watching you and your children, but they're not watching you to see if you're being a good parent or if you're messing up or to if you're annoyed. We are watching you to see if you are the hope we are looking for, the element that will change this world. The Lord brought that home to me this week. I just uh, received a letter. It was written many years ago by a former student of mine in Bible college that I used to teach. He's uh, grown up and he's written this. I just want to read to you what he wrote to me. I just got it this week. He says, Dear John, I just wanted to take a moment to send you a letter of appreciation. One Saturday, while I was in Old Main, I had a fight with Amanda. It wasn't any big thing. It wasn't about anything really important. Our relationship was built off of little tiffs. We kind of enjoyed them, but this time I felt like it was enough. I had had enough of this relationship. I believe we were engaged at the time, but I was ready to call it all off. I ended up walking by your office. I noticed the door was open. I went in and you invited me to take a seat. I told you I was finished with Amanda, and you heard me out. And I don't remember exactly what your response was, but you simply told me I needed to stick with it. I walked out of your office with a resolve to stay on in this relationship and not to give up. I knew there were a myriad of different reasons why we would not work out together. I had no idea what would happen to us through the years. I walked out of your office not knowing anything except that I should stick it out. I've always felt that this was a crucial event in my relationship with Amanda. I firmly believe that we would have broken up and separated for good if it wasn't for the role you played that day. Many times I've thought of you with great appreciation for how you were part of our story. I could have walked away from Amanda that day and would not have known what I was losing. I received 23 years with Amanda, 12 incredible children, one son-in-law, one grandchild. My life has been changed, enriched because of that one day. Thank you, your student. If you're a parent today, If you have adopted God's house, God's rules, God's house, God rules, God's house, God's choice, God's house, God's voice, then people are watching you as they were watching me, and they are watching your children. You are giving us hope for what God can do in this world. 
my dear family, can you see what Father God is doing in our midst right now? What he desires. Father God is doing something great in our midst right now. And he's going to do it through our families and through our children. After this service, I want to challenge you to do something. You ready for this? Take note. I want you to thank a mother or a father and encourage them and tell them to hang in there. <laughs> Don't give up. It'll be worth it. They need it, right? Can you do that? All right. Tell them that their children are precious. They already know they're annoying. Tell them that they are precious. <laughs> All right. You don't have to tell the parent that their children are annoying. They live with them 24-7. They know what their children are like. Tell them that they are precious and they're part of God's plans. Show them that they matter. Find Jolene Tosh or, and tell her that you want to help out with Christian education. Our children need teachers. Our families need encouragement. And God needs a voice. And you could be that voice today. You could be a Simeon or an Anna. Wouldn't that be great? And out of our midst will come preachers and missionaries, future prime ministers of Canada that are qualified, <laughs> scholars, scientists, people that could change this world. Folks, this is God's plan, and you have a role to play. So let me pray before you, before you go and do all that. Would you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for the truth and how your great plan is unfolding, for what you want to do right now in our midst, for the blessing that we receive as we give it to children and to parents. Lord, we thank you for that gift, for this family that cares and loves for each other in these very real ways. And Lord, our blessing, our hopes and our dreams are on those children. And we pray, Lord, for mighty warriors to rise up in our midst and that when uh, we see them on the news and we see them boldly going forth, we can say we had a part of that and we can depart from this world rejoicing that we have seen the answer of God. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. God bless you all. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. We are a Christ-centered church with all kinds of opportunities to reach out to the communities, both locally and abroad, and for all ages. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. We are a non-denominational evangelical congregation, so all are welcome. Coffee and snacks are served, children's church and child care are available.